Hello and welcome to Forward It's Earth, your weekly environment, climate change and sustainability podcast. Uh, my name's Emma. I'm Lloyd. And this is our first podcast from isolation. Yes. How are you finding it? How are you getting on? <laughs> We've woken up in a... It's what? Been... <laughs> you just love it. <laughs> it's, um, it's a funny old, funny old time we found ourselves in, isn't it? Obviously, um, sorry for the gap in podcasts, everyone. We've been trying to figure out a solution because... We can't hang out. We're socially distancing. Which is good, which everyone should do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pay attention to... I'm quite good advice. at it because I don't really like people anyway. Yeah, I quite, I quite like it at the moment anyway. I quite like it. I'm, I'm sure in a couple of weeks yeah, I might go Give it two mad. more months. But <laughs> I'll just start yelling at the postman down the road. Poor postman. Some conversation. <laughs> I know that they've started um, leaving stuff on the doorstep and then running away down the yeah. steps. So by the time you open the door, they're like, it's over there. And you're like, okay. I like that. Thanks. I quite like that. Yeah. The same, the same thing's happening here. Um, how are you guys set up? Are you all ready to hunker down for a couple of weeks? Yeah, we've bought food, but not too much food. No panic buying here. Thank you very much. If I, um, if I see 30 stacks of loo roll behind you in this podcast, we're going to have a problem. Do you know what? We do have a lot of loo roll, but that's not because we went to the shop. It's because we bought, um, we were doing the who gives a crap uh, loo roll deliveries. Oh, yes. It's like that sustainable toilet roll brand. Um, And we hadn't quite got through the last batch before the new batch arrived last week. Very nice. So you're sustainably set up in that regard. Sustainably set up. Yeah. I went to the supermarket yesterday and it was was quite... (laughs) Funny, because there weren't that many people there, but everyone was poking their heads around the aisles before they sort of went out <laughs> into the central aisle to make sure they weren't going to bump into anyone. So everyone just like creeping around very slowly. I know. I went a couple of days ago because we've got really elderly neighbours on our road. So I promised I'd pick them up some things. And I kind of thought, look, I'll just I'll do it now as soon as I can so that now I can stop going to the supermarket. Um, but it was exactly the same thing. And loads of people were wandering around Sainsbury's wearing masks. And um, I just felt so, it was such an eerie experience. I absolutely hated it. It was it's really, amazing really how weird. quickly it all changes, like mm. how quickly everyone's behaviour changes. Like to, uh, literally a week ago, you wouldn't have thought to like cross the road when someone comes at you. But now I'm just like zigzagging everywhere. Absolutely. On our once a day, very small local walk that we're allowed to do, we're doing the exact same thing. You see someone coming a mile off because there's nobody else on the road. But as soon as you see them, you try and get as far apart as possible. Yeah. And like the one person that doesn't move when they come near you, you're like, <gasps> how dare you? I wonder if in like five years we'll look back and realise all our behaviours changed, that we're suddenly just very afraid of each other. I reckon it might. It might have quite a long lasting impact. Like I wonder what's going to happen to you know, like babies that are born or really small children right now. If we have to isolate for a really long time, like, like it's going to be really weird for them when we go back into the back into the world, as it were, and suddenly they can hang out with people that aren't their, their parents or siblings. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the... Um all those uh, satellite imagery maps of uh, like nitrogen nitrogen dioxide levels above yes. well the world it's it's one of those things where you obviously this isn't the way you want emissions to be lowered no and obviously we're not celebrating a pandemic at all but it's interesting how dramatically carbon dioxide and nitrogen dioxide dropped off over china italy and apparently like next week we'll see what the difference was in the uk oh god it's it's weird isn't it like yeah, like you said, we don't want to. We don't want to say like, oh, 
that the pandemic is good in any way because it, it's, it's not good exactly. for our society. But it's undeniable that there are some environmental benefits to not the pandemic, but our actions changing as a result of the pandemic. And we're going to have to cover this in a different episode because there are just every day there seems to be another story, um, you know, like dolphins in Venice again and water quality yeah, improving yeah. and all of these amazing little nuggets of good news that are kind of creeping up in between the... Squirreled away in there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have had a few um, uh, requests from listeners to cover the pandemic in, in some way. But uh, just tell everyone, we haven't ignored you. It's just that we didn't want to jump in so quickly um, and be one of those sources that just speculates because uh, that's yeah. what it would be for us at this stage. Yeah, we'll happily take you along on our isolation journeys, but um, until we know a bit more about what's going on and, and until the dust has kind of settled, um, we'll wait until then, I think, before we try and take a deep dive into the environmental impacts of exactly this horrible situation. And until then, I'll just keep sharing pictures of cats. Yeah, we want to we wanna try and be a positive uh, voice in this at the moment, because everyone's at home listening to podcasts. I mean, if, if you are interested, uh, if, if any listeners are interested in... Uh, podcasts to do with the pandemic um some of the podcasts on our stimulus network yes have been um covering it in much more reliable detail than we perhaps would have at this stage so inside the petri dish they had um yes shout out to alice gray yeah they they interviewed someone on the front line didn't they, they did it was excellent we'll put a link up actually i think we've already yeah. we've shared it on our twitter but we'll put a link up again when uh, when this episode comes out exactly but this week we are in fact talking about drumroll Oh, yeah, she did. Ah, butterflies. Absolutely. We thought... Beautiful, beautiful butterflies. What do people love? Bees and butterflies. We've already done bees. Go back to our first ever episode. And you better remember that, listeners, by the way. (laughs) But, um, yeah, we thought, now that the butterflies are emerging and they're they're always kind of used as a symbol of nature and a symbol of hope and all things good, that's what we needed. So we're talking about butterflies. And then at the end, we're also going to be sharing some of our kind of top tips for making sure that you can still enjoy nature and embrace nature and get your nature fix um, and even look after nature at the end while we're all in isolation. Yeah, and luckily we're at the time of year where if you've got a little bit of green space at the back or you've, you know, you want to put out some hanging baskets, it's a good time to be planting. It is. Ahead of uh, bees and butterflies. It is. All of my windowsills in the house are covered in like seedling pots. I am ready to start really? planting stuff. We, we, I already saw some bees outside uh, my house. So there's some lavender out the front. Oh, they love a bit of lavender. And there was a bumblebee yesterday and also two solitary bees at the same oh, time. Oh, nice. It's the kind of time where all the queens are emerging as well, the queen bumblebees. And you can tell those apart from the workers because they are absolutely massive. Like I saw one, one decided to venture into our house the other day. I think he was eyeing up some of my house plants. Um, and it, on, I swear to you, it was the size of my thumb. It was huge. absolutely huge but yes anyway we're backtracking bees and butterflies often kind of end up in the same conversation anyway because a lot of the things that you can do to make the planet nicer for bees also make it nicer for for butterflies but before we before we get on what's uh what's our one good thing this week um my one good thing has been staying at home social distancing absolutely yes i'm echoing that and uh don't forget to do the same listeners Be good. Be good to yourselves and everyone around you. Yeah. The most important thing right now is to stay safe, stay healthy, keep everyone else safe and healthy as well. Yeah. So butterflies, we've got 59 species in the UK, 
59. I'd probably only be able to recognise three or four or identify three or I four, I just lump them all in as, you know, when I shout butterfly. Hmm? Two of those aren't um, regularly resident, are they? Two of them are... They're migratory species. Migratory. So they pop on down to the continent or to Africa to go and overwinter, whereas the rest of our species overwinter in... Um, in the UK. What always amazes me is that um, we talk a lot about like bird migrations and how amazing it is that birds know exactly where to go, but so do these migratory butterflies. And for me, it's mm. even more impressive. I don't know, just because they're an insect, I feel like insects shouldn't be able to have the capacity to remember which direction <laughs> they're flying for that, that far. They just seem so much more fragile as well, don't they? I literally forget which way I'm going in the mornings to like the shops or to work. Let alone to Africa. <laughs> That's a good job you're not a migratory species then. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about butterflies, but in, in many ways, I suppose, moths kind of get lumped into the same general category. Yes. In terms they do of, tend like, to the serve a similar eco- yeah, function in the ecosystem, don't they? Yeah, that's that's what I, I would normally say as a biologist, you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, uh, you know, they just what don't you get said, so yeah. much airtime, do they? Because... Nice. Like, it's literally just because they're not as pretty. Oh, yeah, nice. I um, meant to do that. But uh, I, I was looking for like good, easy ways of telling them apart online, and apparently there's oh, not yeah. really much to tell them apart, to be honest, butterflies and moths. Oh. It's it's mainly that butterfly... I mean, obviously, if you go down, you know, proper genetics level, and I'm sure like some behaviours and things, there are differences, but at, at sort of like at a glance, it's quite difficult to... The, discern the difference but for the most part butterflies will uh, fly all day um but most moths will fly at night as i think we already ah. know so that's probably a bit of redundant okay i there. feel like yeah i feel like i've heard and that, then they so are both good. good pollinators yeah well that's exactly it so let's let's chat about why they're important step one they're amazing pollinators they're Bam, constantly bomb. flitting from flower to flower trying to find sources of nectar um much like our friends the bees which helps to pollinate plants so if you're growing a veg patch in your garden, you want pollinators in your garden because then you're going to be able to produce the fruit and veg that you want. And the same goes with agriculture. Yeah, um, I mean, I was reading that, uh, I think in the EU, in the EU, 84% of crops are pollinated by insects. And obviously butterflies are going to be part of that. Um, wow. But what's quite interesting uh, was, I was reading that the difference in sort of pollination function between butterflies and bees is that um, butterflies don't have the same furry bodies that the bees do so maybe they don't pick up the same level of pollen but the difference is they will fly further like much ah. further and also whereas bees will then go back to a central point all the time they're obviously just covering a certain radius whereas butterflies will just flit around for really you know long distances which means that it helps to build up genetic variation in plants and crops so they're much more resilient in the future absolutely oh that's really cool they're also um a really good indicator species um, so if you were trying to look at an ecosystem to determine how healthy it was or wasn't, one of the obvious indicators as to whether it's healthy or not is how many butterflies there are. Um, because if the health of the environment is poor, you're not going to find very many butterflies. But if it's really biodiverse um, and there's lots of different species of flowers, you might find lots of bu- lots of butterflies. Yes, they form a really important part of the food chain. So uh, birds, bats, spiders, a lot of others uh, eat caterpillars as well. Um, one example I found was like blue tit chicks pretty much eat caterpillars exclusively. 
Damn it, that was my fact as well. That was it. <laughs> it's almost like we got this from the same sources. <laughs> we're just so in sync these days. Even if we're doing our research in totally different cities, we're just we're still picking up on the same things. But did Definitely you know... not the fact we just stayed on the first page of the Google search. No, sorry. <laughs> we are professionals. We go in depth. <laughs> we got at least a page two. <laughs> so, so in Britain and Ireland, back to the blue tits, how many... Moth caterpillars, do you think all blue tits in Britain and Ireland eat per year? 73. What? Million. No. What's the question? How many, how many blue tits... <laughs> no, sorry. How many caterpillars, moth caterpillars, do mm. the UK and Ireland's population of blue tits eat total across a year, do they reckon? Across a year. Yeah. Um, 7 million. 50 billion. Oh, that is a lot. That's a lot of caterpillars. Oh, wow. I, 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 yeah. That's mad, isn't it? sheer amount of biomass involved in that. <laughs> yeah, so we need, you know, we need moths and butterflies to be healthy in populations to be producing all of the caterpillars to help sustain birds. Absolutely. But the problem is, um, was it 76% of the UK's uh, resident and regular uh, butterflies have declined in both abundance and occurrence um, in around the last 40 years or so. Yeah, that was from the 2015 State of the UK Butterflies report, wasn't it? Ah, I see you read it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's quite cool, though. That relies on... Um, you, you can volunteer to help in, the, in that kind of the big butterfly count um, when that comes around. We'll throw up a link to it. I think it does happen every year. But they've identified kind of reasons why the butterflies are in decline at the moment and obviously the the big one is habitat loss and and changing yes. methods of land management so if you are getting rid of a wildflower meadow or of hedgerows or of anything that's flowering and replacing it with monocultures or houses or car parks or shopping malls and you're not replacing mm. or you're not providing any alternate source of nectar the butterflies aren't going to be able to survive they won't be in that area anymore they'll have to either find somewhere else to go or they just simply will die off and in this case decline I think that's where it comes into sort of our, like the human perception in the past, that if there's nothing in an open space, like, oh, there's no, you know, beautiful lake and wooded glen, then it must be a useless mm. bit of land and we can build on it. Which obviously isn't true, because as you say, if, we've lo if we lose wild meadows, we lose important species that we don't necessarily, necessarily see all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And another one... As well, another weird reason, not weird reason, I suppose this comes up in every podcast we do, isn't it? Another reason for potential butterfly decline is our old friend, climate change. Yeah, I was wondering when that would be brought up. Mm, so because our climate's getting warmer, um, a lot of butterflies are being able to move their ranges further north. So geographically, they're shifting. Yeah, I, I think um, butterflies like the Red Admiral are able to move into like North England and Scotland, where in the past they wouldn't. Great news, I suppose, for, for some species. But on the other hand, um, and perhaps to a much greater degree, it's harming other species that don't do so well. So when you get uh, wetter summers, you get temperature shifts, um, it just plays havoc with butterflies and their timelines. Because there's such a specific window when a butterfly goes through the process of, and I'm going back to key stage two biology here, <laughs> <laughs> when a butterfly will um, eat enough uh, nectar, it'll lay some eggs, and then you've got to wait for the eggs to hatch into caterpillars, they'll you know, go into their little chrysalis, and then um, they need to come out um, and eat enough, and then 
Wait, hold on. Yes, yes you're I've, right. I've got this right. I haven't lost my, my step. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get all the eight-year-olds writing and being like, that's not right. <laughs> so all of those parts of the life cycle are quite on quite a narrow time window in the year. Uh, so when you bring in climate change into that mix, you disrupt that massively. So this process is called phenological mismatch. So as you said, um, when insects emerge from overwintering, they need a food source um, so that they can continue their life cycle. So a lot of insects are, the time that they emerge is the time when certain plants that they would feed on are abundant and flowering or there's loads of leaves thrown out. So for example, the caterpillars can, can chow down. But if plants start to flower earlier, then by the time the caterpillars, for example, would emerge, they might no longer be in sync. So you get this kind of mismatch of timings, which then puts the caterpillars in a worse situation in that they're, they're more likely to starve and less likely to continue their, uh, their population. It's a tough one. When we edit this episode, um, to put it out, can we use your explanation, please? Because I feel like mine was the sort of my first butterfly explanation and yours was the <laughs> I've, I've read a science paper explanation <laughs> i think i think they led in nicely to each other because you kind of mentioned it in vague and then i just put, put a bit of terminology in there that's what we do everyone teamwork <laughs> can i just very quickly um shoehorn in a, a quick um mini fact that butterflies will taste through sensors on their feet oh before they start cool. drinking they got little feet it's a bit like me putting my hands in my soup, like swilling around a little bit. Don't being like, yeah, that that's super right. And then they get the little proboscis, the little tubey thing that they mm. feed through, stick it in. So their feet are testing it out before. They're trying before they buy. Try, try before you buy. I exactly. like it. Smart butterflies. <laughs> what an image as well. What an image. Got me swilling my soup around. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think. The isolation's not suiting Lloyd. He's. Uh... I mean, I wasn't allowed in restaurants anyway after that, so. <laughs> Okay, so we've talked a lot about why butterflies are awesome. Uh, now let's go over what we can do to save them. Yes, let's. Step one, wildflowers. Wildflowers everywhere. Sow your seeds. Let things flourish. Don't chop down dandelions. Dandelions are often considered a weed, but butterflies bloody love them. I mean, I, I think we've talked about this before. I can't remember if it was in the bees episode way back or if it was like the rewilding episode. We talked about there's sort of resurgence of wildflower planting, didn't we? Mm. On like uh, British uh, curbsides and roadsides. Yeah. Because it's just this sort of empty patch that people keep mowing and mowing and mowing. It's like, well, why not put wildflowers there? And you're suddenly bringing back just thousands of acres of meadow, like cumulatively. Mm. Um, so actually, I, I think that has helped see, a, a, we're starting to see an uptick in uh, butterfly numbers. Brilliant. Because apparently one of the problems with um, mowing curbsides like that uh, regularly is that you let the soil get too fertile, apparently, which I didn't realise could be a thing. So when all that mulch or that grass just lies there, it makes it too fertile. So you get um, you get high fertility. You tend to get one or two species that dominate in an area, like plant-wise. Oh, really? Whereas if uh, you actively take that away um, or you plant wildflowers instead, um, you're letting it... Well, a multitude of uh, species battle it out, essentially. Uh, to make a very pretty road verge. Yeah, you're supposed to, even when you have wildflowers as well, you're supposed to, after you've cut, after they've seeded at the end of the season, mm. you, you cut it right back. And then, you, like you said, you take away even the kind of wildflower stems and things themselves so to keep that soil poor. 
but good for wildflowers, which is quite cool. So that's something that we can also do in our gardens. Um, yes. Something to bear in mind. So um, so whether you have a garden or you just have windowsills or pots and plants, there's still there's still plenty you can do. Um, I've got a few got a few flowers that are uh, a few. I'm going to name drop a few here. Which, if you are looking to sow some new seeds, you can still buy seeds online. Get those through the post. Um, you can indeed. Yeah, um, but don't don't go to your local garden centre, folks. They're probably all closed anyway right now. But yeah, go for they like buddleias, they like lavender, marjoram, which is oregano apparently. Um, they like marigolds, milkweed, heather, buttercups, and mauve wallflower. I don't 100% know what all of those are off the top of my head, but that was a very credible list. You sounded very uh, cultured. Mm, good, good. So it's probably important to say as well that um, those are some really good species to plant. Uh, it's better to plant them all together in like a larger sort of mass in your garden as opposed to just like one or two flowers around. Um, and also different flowers will be better for different species, importantly. So if you go on to... Well, I've got a few websites I'll put up rather than list them all separately, um, mm. which are, are quite good resources for knowing which flowers will attract which and which ones are more general. And definitely a mix of flowers as well. Definitely. And also, if you can get ones that flower at different times during the year, then you can kind of ensure like a long lasting nectar supply as well. Yeah, because what's is, quite important is, is that um, in the, what's it going to be, in, in the autumn uh, before some butterfly species will hibernate, they'll need nectar. And then they when up. they emerge, they'll need nectar again in the spring. So as you say, uh, year round is definitely something we can aim for. Absolutely. And another fun thing, if you're stuck inside these days or you're, you're just kind of looking for things to do in your garden, um, friend of the podcast, Sophie Pavel, um, who was on our cosmetics episode Sophie. way back in series one about a year ago. Um, she has been doing a bunch of kind of Instagram tutorials, of things you can be doing. And, and last week she made a banana feed, a banana feeder. A banana feeder. Oh, well, good. My bananas are looking pretty oh, gosh. pretty thin. <laughs> oh, social distancing is uh, taking its effect. I've lost I've lost the ability to speak to people. No, she made a butterfly feeder and butterflies love rotten fruit, including bananas. So that's where I got banana oh, from. Oh, yes. So she used like a, a, a just like a garden tray, um, one of those kind of pots that you put underneath a pot just to catch the water. Um, and she put two holes in it and strung it up by string um, and put rotten fruit out on it. So things like banana peels and any oranges and melon, butterflies absolutely love. They're a really good source of sugar. Yeah, that's really good advice. Um, so especially if it's banana peels, you know, we don't want to waste food yeah. these days anyway. Give it back things to like the, the environment. peels you're not going to use, you're just going to chuck them in your food bin. So why not pop them outside for your butterflies? Yeah, precisely. I mean, I also saw uh, some other things you can make. So first of all, there's the uh, insect house that we obviously talked about way back at the conception of uh, <laughs> We started to repeat uh, ourselves, aren't we? <laughs> we yeah. did some fresh stories. <laughs> Yeah, make an insect house. Have we run out of ideas? Answer on a postcard, everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so the houses, but also uh, something that was quite cute I saw was uh, providing a water source. Oh, yeah. But rather than just put out like a bowl of water, which an insect would just like fall in and die and negate the whole point of what you're trying to do, um, get like a really shallow bowl or something uh, and put like pebbles or marbles in it and then fill it up a little way so they can just like nest on the little pebbles. Ooh, oh, I like that. That's pretty cute, isn't it? That's really cool. Um, another fun thing 
not so much fun um just while i was <laughs> while i was i really went into a deep dive in gardening websites actually for this bit because i i'm really getting into gardening um so one of the things that I've bought quite a lot of recently is compost because we've got really poor soil in my garden mm. and I've got lots of planters which I want to fill up with vegetables and, and flowers. Um, so I bought loads of compost from a local garden centre um, and it, I didn't realise this. So you're not supposed to buy peat compost and I, I haven't been buying peat compost, yeah. um, just to clarify. But, um, but I also at the same time didn't realise why you shouldn't. And it's actually because peat bogs are home to so many species. Uh, they're such biodiverse areas um, and they're also a massive car carbon sink that if we're mining them effectively for peat to put in our gardens we're losing this incredible ecosystem which as you said before it's one of those where it's it's not the sexiest ecosystem you don't look at it and think goodness me that's absolutely beautiful let's protect that but it's it's they're so important to preserve and they're really degraded in the uk so if you are doing that chaps just stay away from peat compost Worst thing as well, try and avoid um, insecticides and pesticides mm. on your garden. I know that can be quite difficult for some people, especially if you're growing like a little cabbage patch. But, you know, there are solutions such as netting cabbages instead. Yeah, and um, you can put um, copper tape around your veg boxes um, because ah, slugs yeah, and true. snails won't, won't cross um, copper. So I bought a bunch of that this year and I've been... Um, my garden's getting quite reflective. I'm just putting them all around the uh, the veg boxes. So I'll report back Start in a couple of months space. to see if that works. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't want to use any chemicals. So I just thought, well, we'll see see how that goes. But that's a, no, that's that's a thing yeah. you could try. Talking about which plants to plant, it's worth saying that um, the plants you plant for butterflies will differ from the ones that are good for caterpillars. Oh. And which stage they have. So... Um, a lot of caterpillars will want to eat things such as holly or nettles. Again, it's going to vary by species. So, again, I'll put up uh, links to sources. So it's sort of split in two between the ones you want that will produce nectar for adult butterflies and the ones that will just provide that solid nutrient for uh, for caterpillars. A good meal. Um, yeah, we need to cater to all stages of their life then, don't we, actually? Good. Yeah, Very so good point, people Lloyd. probably Very won't want to... Um, plant nettles in their garden for obvious reasons they're quite difficult to control <laughs> but one suggestion i saw was uh, if you do want to plant nettles for caterpillar food was to put them pretty much in some sort of box or plastic bottle or container and sink it into the ground so it can't go anywhere oh to stop the roots kind of oh, okay that's a good yeah that's a good suggestion but please if you do this and it gets out of control don't write into me no but send um, us a picture <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you know that um caterpillars from butterflies won't use cocoons Really? It's a chrysalis. Oh. Cocoons are moths. What's the difference? Cocoons are moths. So uh, a cocoon is... Oh, I, I knew this. Come on, Lloyd. <laughs> it's something to do with the way they make the silk, I think. Um, oh. And also the form of it. So I think the cocoon for a moth will pretty much just look like a barrel or it'll look, just look like a you know elongated thing, whereas the chrysalis will look more like a... almost like a raindrop coming off the leaf, I think. Oh, if, oh, I, yes. if only if only I did research. Spiky and detailed, aren't they? Quite, they look a bit like pop-up tents. Yes, if anyone um, knows more than I, and I imagine that's quite a few people listening, please let me know what the difference is. Like, properly what, what the difference is. Yeah, yeah. Don't just rely on Lloyd's shoddy explanation. <laughs> 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 Not that I had anything to bring to the table there. But. You can't see this, but I'm really like hurriedly flicking through my notes because I thought I wrote it down but I didn't but I did take time to colour code it so wow even well, I didn't time do that, that was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway should we should we take some time now to 
talk about how we can all stay connected to nature and help out the planet and not go completely crazy while we're all stuck at home. Yeah, let's. Because we can't ignore, we can't ignore this. Yeah. Exactly. So we've already mentioned in this episode things you can do if you've got a garden. If you don't have a garden, you can get uh, hanging baskets and put them out your front or some sort of like window boxes that can also be pretty good for attracting bees and other insects. But more broadly, um, we're going to start putting together a list, maybe like a Google Doc that everyone can access, but only Mm. we can edit because we don't trust you that much, um, (laughs) of uh, like a list of nature and sustainability resources so you can keep learning or get involved with other little projects. Um, So some of these things I found a um article on birdguides.com oh and there were some excellent suggestions and i scrolled to the bottom and it was by dan rouse who we've interviewed oh, uh, in season one yeah friend Very of the pod. Nice. no season two wasn't it i'm getting my season timelines two. mixed up um so she suggests things like uh, uh garden birding and citizen science so citizen science um are science projects where they rely on uh, you and I, citizens of the world, to report on things that maybe uh, a researcher doesn't have the time for or can't possibly hope to study, you know. So there are things such as the big butterfly count, where you can survey your garden for 15 minutes for butterflies. And that starts around July, so hopefully we won't be as confined then as we are now. But um, either way, you can download the app. There's an ID chart of different butterflies. Um, you can get involved in that. Uh, there's garden bird watch uh, citizen science schemes. Um, you can report birds and other wildlife in your garden. I found one. Uh, so this was again in the article written by Dan Rouse, uh, where British Science Week. So th- that's the sort of festival that puts on a week of science in a different city every year. Mm. They've linked to a citizen science uh, thing with spider monkeys. Okay. Which is quite cool. But the point is there are lots of different citizen science efforts out there which you can definitely get involved with, even if it wasn't sustainability. Like I've seen some for um, helping identify stars from satellite images and that sort of thing. Oh, wow. So if you're looking for something science to do, uh, whether just yourself or with friends or kids, then um, that could be quite a good little thing to dive into Google. Definitely. There are all sorts of live cams. These are very cool. You've been addicted to these, you can, haven't you? Yeah, we can drop in on some birds nesting there's no there's no netflix on lloyd's house he's just watching live cams no yeah everyone else has bought disney plus um i'm just flicking through uh very cool actually links to like cams of like watering holes in africa where you just like turn on in the middle of the day and just see like an elephant just chilling oh so cool it's very cool um down around source links to things like satellite tag birds you can see the tracks as they go around the world yeah there's plenty of stuff and we'll try and keep a running tally of everything we'll update this list regularly yeah yeah if everyone anyone here has produced something themselves or knows of something cool people could do then please do send it into us and we'll add it absolutely and on the old internet the wonderful space that it is loads of people are doing live lessons and live broadcasts and basically creating amazing kind of school or just general learning content um so two of which i'd like to just quickly maybe share um and of course these will go on our lovely document too but lizzie daly future friend of the pod future friend of the pod and her interview is coming up she has been doing earth live lessons on her youtube uh, and they're going to keep going until the 6th of may and she's getting loads of really cool guests on to basically deliver a, a lesson live 
um, about whatever their specialist subject is. So go and check those out. So they really vary. They're quite exciting. <laughs> and Chris Packham as well. Um, if you are into birds, he has set up the Self-Isolating Bird Club, which is <sighs> at SI Bird Club on Twitter. And it's brilliant. And you basically just, it's a community of people where everyone's tweeting their sightings and you can still talk about bird watching and learn loads about the different birds, both in your own garden and in That's the UK. Cool. And it's a wonderful little community. So get involved in that. Do you want some more uh, things to do in the garden? Yeah, if you got them. So you can make bird feeders, um, not just pouring seeds. Then you can make your own bird feeders. Well, perhaps that's misleading. You can make fat balls for birds. Ah, very cool. Which sounds possibly cooler. Um, So you can obviously just put seeds and peanuts in a bird feeder, um, or you can use lard and kind of let it melt at room temperature and then roll in loads of seeds and peanuts and even raisins and a bit of cheese, apparently. So you pop those in the fridge, let them set, and then you can take them outside and then it provides like a really good, like the fat's really good for the birds. So they get kind of even more food, I guess. Awesome, there we go. Anyway, they love those. No excuses, everyone. And then I saw the Wildlife Trust put up a video uh, on YouTube about how to make a hedgehog feeder, which was just Uh, lovely. I love hedgehogs. What form does a hedgehog feeder take? So, um, you know those kind of big storage boxes, the plastic ones that you like, have under your bed or in your attic? Um, mm. You kind of turn one of those upside down and then you cut a hole in one of the sides um, and then you put some masking tape or something around the hole just so that the hole itself isn't really sharp. Um, and then inside you put basically like a little bowl of meaty cat food or dog food and um, you pop a brick on top of the box so that bigger mammals can't knock it over to get to the food and you also pop a brick outside the front of the hole but you leave enough room for the hedgehog to get through but by putting it in front of the hole it means that they have to turn a corner and a lot of bigger mammals yeah, kind of don't okay. work that'll just dissuade them whereas hedgehogs are perfectly happy if you pop down some white paper as well around it sometimes you get to see their little tracks Whoa, as they go up to feed that's very sweet so that could be quite fun and if you want to learn more about butterflies, can I also suggest going to um, Phil Torres's Instagram page? He's an entomologist and he absolutely loves bot- butterflies and he goes and films like the monarch migrations and things. Um, and the Ologies podcast as well is another fantastic science podcast. If you are, you know, a bit bored at home, want to do some more learning and you haven't been through our back catalogue yet, <laughs> go over to Ologies. <laughs> to be honest, you could probably go through most of the people we follow on Instagram and um, find some very cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All part of the big community. And one final thing. Um, You're out in your garden. Now's a really good time to learn or test your skills in macro photography, (laughs) up-close photography. So if you are, a top tip, if you are trying to take some photos of butterflies in your garden, try and get out in the early morning because they rely on external heat sources. So in the early mornings, they're generally there spreading their wings, um, trying to soak up heat from the sun so that they can start their daily activities. And if you're really lucky, sometimes they shake their wings, they vibrate their flight muscles just to try and bring heat into their bodies. Um, so that's a really good time to try and see or photograph butterflies. Please tag us in them if you get any pictures. Yes, please do. I haven't yet. <laughs> I have to dig out the old camera. Thank you very much. So I think we'll wrap it up Absolutely. there. Hopefully... Um, that's enough for people to get on with um, in their quarantines. Again, if you've got any cool stuff, uh, any nature sustainability resources, lessons, just cool stuff going on, send it to us and we'll add it to our little collaborative effort. Thanks for listening to us ramble in our lockdown befuddled brains. <laughs> We're all in the same boat, aren't we? We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. <laughs> 
Keep yourselves safe and keep your families safe. Social distancing. Stay home. Wash your hands. Get some exercise. And yes. watch nature in your garden or through watch the window. Nature. Because there's nothing better than sitting and taking some time to appreciate it and see what's going on outside. Exactly. So that's, yeah, that's enough from us. Um, we'll see you next week. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Forward It's Earth Podcast. We're on Facebook and Twitter as well. And you can drop us an email, especially if you want to join in with our collaborative Google Doc of all things uh, that you can be doing at the moment at forwardisearthpod at gmail.com. Beautiful. Smashing. Well, we'll see you, see you next week. Absolutely. Take care, all. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you.